as I thought about James, James said to the church, you know, James was one of the guys who wrote a book uh, where all the other guys wrote, it's, it's very spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. And James said, yeah, but take the spiritual and put it into action. Otherwise, it's no good. James wrote to them and said, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. And we want to encourage you too. Don't just be a hearer of God's voice and his leading in your life. Be a, be a doer, be a step or step out and, and do that. And so today it's the, that idea of recognizing his voice and acting on it. Last week we talked a little bit about recognizing his voice. It's so important to recognize who you're listening to. Sometimes people will be like, oh, you know, I, I heard this voice or had this sign or I saw something. I'm just going to go do something about that. I, I think it was God. And they just go and, you know, they marry somebody. They buy a house. They do something. It's like, oh, you know, God, God told me to do this. And then they end up miserable realizing it wasn't God in the first place. thought about that this week because two weeks ago in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, the uh, Burger King there got a phone call. And the phone call said, hello, it's the fire department. There's a gas leak in your, in your Burger King. Everybody, please make sure the manager got them on the phone. Get out of your building. Go outside. And once they're outside, they're like, what do we do now? And they said, break all the windows. And, you know, we, we don't want the place to explode. And so they busted all the windows. And then they sort of waited. And, and by doing that, it set off the, an alarm. And the fire department showed them, like, what are you guys doing? Like, there's a gas leak. You told us. And, and they're like, we would never tell anybody to actually do stuff, take stuff in their own hands. They're like, what? And it possibly was one of their disgruntled employees pulling a prank on them that cost them $10,000 to repair. The weird thing is that's the fifth fast food restaurant that that's happened to in the last couple of months. So if you work at Burger King or anywhere like that and you get a phone call, it's not the police. You know, it's so important to recognize the voice that that you're talking to or even what they would, not not just the sound of the voice, but what they would tell you. And so, you know, when you hear and think it's the voice of God, you got to know that it lines up with, with who he is. But his desire is to lead our everyday lives, to lead our very lives uh, and give us the opportunity to follow him. So, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't know how to follow God. I don't know what it looks like. And for some, it's like difficult. Like, oh, I'm not sure. You know, God hasn't told me what's supposed to happen, you know, 10 years down the road. I can just tell you, he's probably not going to. He's not going to tell you, you know, oh, you know, God, who am I going to marry? He's like, you're 15. I'm not telling you that right now, you know, or like, you know, God, what's, uh, you know, what am I going to do, you know, when I'm in, in my 60s or where am I going to be living? He's like, listen, let's just do today. You know, you're 40. Let's just do today. And, and it's, it's very similar to driving your car at night. When you drive your car at night, you don't see the town that's, you know, 15 miles ahead of you. You see 50 feet in front of you. And once you get there, you can see the next 50 feet, and there the next 50 feet. And that's how Holy Spirit desires to lead our lives. Just take that one step. And as you take that one step, he'll show you the next step. Psalm 37, verse 23, I know it's from the Old Testament, but even the psalmist knew back then, he said this, that the Lord directs the steps of the godly, and he delights in every detail of their lives. He wants to direct your steps. And for some, you know, you're going to take that and be like, whoa, every detail. That's not in yellow for a reason. Because some of you be like, you know, wake up tomorrow morning and be like, God, should I have cereal or oatmeal? Lord, speak to me. You know, they'll, so I, I find it crazy because people will pray about the, the very simplest stuff and then not ask God about the major stuff. You know, they'll be like, yeah, oatmeal or cereal. And you'll be sitting there at dinner time, still with those two bowls. Lord, was it oatmeal or cereal I was supposed to eat this morning? He's like, just pick one. It doesn't matter. But then when it comes to like real important things of God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, am I honoring you with, you know, with where I'm working? God, how, how do you want me to handle this conflict? It's like, no, nah, I'm not asking him. I'm just going to do it. And he's encouraging us with the steps that we take the important steps of our lives to, to be aware of him. 
And so, you know, as, as we've been sort of studying Holy Spirit, the book of Acts talks so much about this person named Holy Spirit. And a lot of times you hear, like, you know, in church, we got to get back to the book of Acts. You know, we got to get back to the early church. And it's like, we got to be more like Paul. You know, we got to be more like Peter. Can I just tell you something that Paul, there was only one Paul. There was only ever going to be one Paul. There's nobody who's going to be just like Paul. There was only one Peter. And though many of you stick your foot in your mouths like I do and Peter did, there's only going to be one Peter. Holy Spirit moved through each of their lives, but I can tell you this. There's also only one you. There's only one Dan Haig that God wants to work through. There's only one Lori, or two Lori's here, but that God wants to work through individually. You know, there's only one Dennis that, that God wants to work through and lead in your life. It's going to look different than them, but it's that same idea of, of him working through, through you. So with the book of Acts, Luke was writing down, it wasn't his first book. He wrote a, an earlier book. Anybody know what it's called? No guesses what Luke's first letter was called? Luke, good job. Thanks, Mark. So the, he wrote this one book. In the first one, he wrote this thought. He said, listen, I'm writing to you guys to give you an orderly account so you can be certain of the things you were taught. He talked to the eyewitnesses. He, um, he, he was an eyewitness to the events that were happening in Acts. And he began to write this historical account of saying, here's what happened in the lives of people who just were led by Holy Spirit. Here's what it looks like. For some, it's called the Acts of the Apostles, and others call it the Acts of Holy Spirit. You're like, well, which one is it? It's both. It's the idea of Holy Spirit moving on people's lives, and as he led and they followed, certain things happen. And it's the same today. He wants to lead, wants us to, to follow, and to see the stories of, of our lives. You know, Acts, that was the story of their life. Today, I want to call this, this message the story of my life. And the stories of, of the, of the uh, uh, early church, of the apostles, their, their, their stories were written down for us in Acts. But that's what they were, a historical account of the stories that were written so we could see what it kind of looked like for first people to be led by Holy Spirit and what lives led by Holy Spirit looked like. So we see their stories. And I just want to give you, we're going to just go through a bunch of the chapters of Acts real quickly. But I want you, to, I want you to, to look for two things. In each chapter, what's the same and what's different? I want you to listen real close. What's the same and what's different? Here's some of the thoughts. In Acts chapter 2, it says Peter being full of the uh, of Holy Spirit. He tells about a man who was raised from the dead. We know that to be Jesus. And it says the people were cut to the heart. It got them here. His message did something on the inside of them. And their response was 3,000 of them came to follow Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, his buddy, are now walking towards the temple and being led by Holy Spirit. They see a man who's, who's crippled, who was there every day, but today they see him. And, and they say, look, he's asking for money. And they say, no, we got something better for you. And they believed, you know, that God wanted to heal him. And they raised that, that man up and he was healed. And it says they were just led by the Spirit in that, in that point. In Acts chapter 4, they get put on trial for that very thing because they healed a guy. And it says that Peter, being full of the Holy Spirit, had the words to say while he was on trial. It's interesting because that's what Jesus promised them. He said, listen, don't even try and plan what you're going to say when they put you on trial. I'm going to give you the words. That's what happened. Holy Spirit gave him the words. In Acts chapter 5, Peter recognized when Ananias and Sapphira were lying to him. He could see right through their words and right through their motives because he was led by Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 6, they chose seven men who were full of the Holy Spirit. And guess what they chose them for? You'd think preaching, but it wasn't. They chose seven men full of the Holy Spirit to run the food distribution and to serve the widows. They needed people full of Holy Spirit to wait on tables. In Acts chapter 7, one of those men who was put on, um, his name was Stephen, 
he, has, he was waiting tables, and, and there were signs and wonders following him because he was full of Holy Spirit as well. And he began to preach good news to people, and they put him on trial. And again, as he preached them, they were cut to the heart. And their response was, they murdered him. Still want to be full of Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 8, Philip told to, to go to a certain, certain road. Holy Spirit said, go to this road. It goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he's like, what do I do there? He's like, don't worry, just go there. So he goes there, and when he gets there, Holy Spirit says, there's a chariot. Chase that chariot down. And he's like, okay. So he runs after this chariot, and as he's walking along beside it, he says, Philip, hears this man reading from his Bible with this questioning sound in his voice. He's like, he doesn't understand what he's reading. And Holy Spirit's like, that's why I brought you here. He hops up on the chariot, explains to him about Jesus, and this person comes to be a follower of Christ in that very moment. Acts chapter 9, there was a different man named Ananias, who Holy Spirit tells him through a dream, Go and pray for this man named Saul. I'm like, Saul? The Saul? Saul's the guy who, who's been killing Christians. He's our enemy. And, G, and, and Holy Spirit says to him, I know. Go pray for your enemy. I want you to go pray for your enemy. And as he followed that out, Saul receives Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and Peter, two guys have similar visions at the same time that basically lead them to one another. To meet one another, two people who've never met each other before, Peter gets led out of his culture and led out of his comfort zone by Holy Spirit to see the first Gentiles come to know Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 11, a guy named Barnabas, it says he was full of the Spirit so he could encourage people. He just simply went around encouraging people, and because of that, a great many were added to the Lord. It says, Acts chapter 16, last one. We just listen real carefully to this one because it says Paul, as he was going to preach in Asia, he writes down and says, we were forbidden by Holy Spirit to go preach in Asia. He's like, I thought you called me to preach. And he's like, I'm going to go preach in Asia. And Holy Spirit says, no. And it says, so then I decided to go to Bithynia. And it says, and the Spirit did not permit them to go to Bithynia either. Sometimes God says, no. Sometimes God says no, and, and for some of us, that's difficult. But what's really interesting is you finish reading the story, Paul that night has a dream of a man from Macedonia, from Greece, calling him, saying, we need help. And Paul was like, ah, that's why I wasn't supposed to go to Asia. I was supposed to go to Greece. And he goes there, and uh, because of it, the Philippian church, which we have the letter to the Philippians, that church was started simply because Holy Spirit said no. What's the same in all those stories? It starts with an H. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit and people. What's different in all those stories? The names of the people. Many of you, you know Peter and Paul and Peter and, you know, and, and James and John. But how many of you would have known some of the other names mentioned in there? Like I didn't even mention Prochorus and Timonin and all, some of the others I can't pronounce who are friends of Stephen who are full of Holy Spirit waiting on tables. Because it was regular, normal people that Holy Spirit came on. Sometimes we read the, we read the Bible and we look at these guys are like superstars. You know, of course it was for them, but it's not for us. And he says, you know what? It wasn't just for them. To be led by Holy Spirit was not just for the people in the book of Acts. It was for you. If you look in your Bibles in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote to the Romans in verse 14. He wrote this, for as many, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He didn't limit it to whoever, to this group. He said, as many, whoever it might be, can be um, the, the sons of God and can be led by the Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Peter replied to, these, to this group who was asking, you know, what do we do when they were cut to the heart? What do we do? And he says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God first, and then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, and after that, after you give your life to follow Jesus Christ, you're going to receive the gift of Holy Spirit. 
And he says, this promise is to you, to your children, but not only you, to those who are far away. Anybody far away from Israel today? <laughs> you know, he says to you, and it says to all who have been called by the Lord our God. His desire is that that relationship with Holy Spirit would be evident for each and every single one of us. In Romans 8, verse 5, he says this to them. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit, how are they led by the Spirit? He says they set their minds on the Spirit. They're thinking about spiritual things. And we, we had this um, a couple weeks ago. I challenged you with this thought to be aware of Holy Spirit. You know, waking up in the morning saying, you know, good morning, Holy Spirit. I'm just acknowledging that I realize you are here. That throughout your day, you're living your day, but just aware that maybe I'm going to be open when he talks to me. And I encourage you with, with those thoughts. But, but I wanted to challenge you, and as I heard last week, you know, the stories, it was so powerful to hear people, real people in, uh, in, this, in this day and age, hearing Holy Spirit and what that sounds like. And I, I was inspired by that. And so today I want to share a little bit of the story of my life, of what um, hearing Holy Spirit, um, what His leadership and what His direction sounds like in our lives and how those steps can happen. And today, it's to show, you know, that through all of this, through all of the things that happened in Acts, it was that he would get credit, that he would get glory. You know, there's, there's like, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Some people end up in the ditch of just like, you know what, Holy Spirit is like uh, uh, all these powerful things, and it's like these, these phenomenon and different things like that, and they get, kind of get stuck in that side. And others are like, I just don't want anything to do with Holy Spirit at all. And both of those are ditches. And as a church, we want to try and be in that middle ground where we're like, we want all of Holy Spirit in a relevant way. What does that look like and sound like? And for, for some of you, wanna, I just want to share a little bit of, of my story. And some of you, you might know some of these details. Some of you may know none of these details. Uh, some of you, you just only know me because you see me up here. You know me as the, the pastor guy, the preacher guy, whatever. That's kind of, that's, you, you know, you, you have to sit and listen while I talk every week. That's kind of how you know me. But it didn't start like this. It didn't start anywhere near this. You know, um, uh, back when I was in youth group, I was, you know, my parents made us go to youth group when we were a kid. And we lived in Dunville. And they'd drive us to St. Catharines every week. And, you know, it was like a long drive. And sometimes we didn't love it and didn't like it. But, you know, we would go there and we'd learn about the Lord and, and then one day, my youth pastors asked me, he's like, hey, Mark, do you want to come and speak at one of our youth preach nights? And I'm like, uh, and he's like, you didn't say no, so you're in. And I was like, uh, okay, you know, and I went home and I was like, you know, I told my parents, they, they want me to speak. And I'm like, I don't know what to speak about. I'm terrified. I'm like, I, I don't even talk to like people, let alone a group of people. And so we started, and my parents were asking me, well, what's wrong? I'm just so scared. I said, well, let's, let's talk about overcoming fear. And I think they were hoping that I would be able to overcome my fear and, and do that. So I, we wrote this message together about overcoming fear. And, and I got up there the night of youth group, and I stood there in the front. And as soon as I saw their faces, it was like I froze, just like gripping the, the, the little podium. And all of a sudden, I could tell. I'm like, this isn't good. And then it just it started to get worse. It was like a tear began to roll down my face. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm crying. And like, this is social suicide in front of that cute girl in youth. I start, I start crying. And then I start bawling, like weeping. And then snot starts dripping down. Like, it was like, it was awful. Yes, you can picture. It was horrible. And I'm like, this is, this is terrible. Uh, and I'm like, and I'm really preaching about not being afraid, you know, of preaching it. And it was, it was terrible, the worst possible thing. And then after, you know, when they're done, they're like, you get those like, oh, that was a good job, you know. 
you made it through. And for some, you're like, that's still your comments after church. Good job. At least you got done before 11, right? It's that, the, the, those kind of, the, the compliments, you know, eh, didn't really mean anything. But as, as I thought about that, I'm like, man, there's nothing good that came out of that except that whenever I hear people who are like, I'm scared to talk in front of people, I'm like, let me tell you, it cannot be any worse than my first time. And you know what? It never has been. I've never seen anybody have to go through that. But I can tell you, I don't do this because it was like natural gifting. I don't do this because, you know, this is like I woke up one day and I was like, man, I'm really good at public speaking. Who would pay me to do this every week? <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I was terrified. And so I knew this was never going to be what I was going to do. And then I went to a conference at our church, and it was about 1,200 people. And before we had big screens with, over, um, with like, the projector, we had overhead projectors with transparencies. And, and I would stand in the front, and I'd be putting the songs up on there. And during the conference, one of the speakers, at, during the worship in front of all these people, points at me and says, you, I don't even know my name, you're called to preach. And I'm like, you didn't go to my youth group, did you? you know? I'm like, this is, this is not, like, this is not to be. And then I'm like, but something inside was like, ah, you know what, uh, this may be. And so I was like, well, I'm 16. Like, what do I do? I, I was finished high school at that point, uh, thanks to homeschool. And I was like, I, I can't go to college yet. Nobody will take me. Maybe I'll go to Bible school and just get grounded in my faith. So I went to Bible school, and I failed the preaching class miserably. It was just brutal, uh, almost as bad as the first time. And I was like, you know what, I decided this isn't for me. I'm going to go get a real job. And so I decided I would work at a vitamin company. I was 18 years old, and then when I was 19. I worked in siding, didn't do well at that. By the time I was 20, I was back in a greenhouse. I'm like, God, you know, this is where I started. I'm like, I guess, you know, I like greenhouses. Maybe I can be the foreman here. And so I asked my boss, you know, could I like work my way up? He's like, no. And I'm like, what do I do now? And then through some conversations with some friends of ours who owned a few Tim Hortons, I was like, you know, and talking about going back to school and maybe taking some business courses and, and running a Tim Hortons, I was like, that would be a good idea. You know, it was back when people could afford them. And so I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And, and then there was like this no. I was like, God, you know, I'm not going to drink all the profits, I promise. You know, just, just this is what I really want to do. And yet I got this thing on the inside that just said no. You know how the no happened? I was at, I was the week that I was filling out the paperwork to apply. All of a sudden, you know, this lady from my church, thousand people in this church comes up to me and she says, you know what, Mark, I, I just feel like God's telling me that you're about to make a decision in your life, a big one, and he's telling you to wait. Do whatever you want with that. I'm like, you're crazy. You know, thanks a lot. You know, like, she's wacky anyways. I'm not trusting her. And then the girl that, you know, I happen to be dating, the next day, you know, as we we're out together, she says, you know, Mark, she's like, you've been talking about going to business school. I just keep feeling in my heart that you're not supposed to, to, to go to the, take these classes. And I'm like, Ah, she just wants to be married to a preacher or something. Forget, you know, whatever. And I was like, so I dumped her. And then, uh, <laughs> later. Uh, and then, you know, the very um, next day, I guess I forgot to tell you that when that person pointed at me and said, you know what, you're called to preach. And I was like, that is just definitely not going to happen. They told me, well, if you ever receive a word from the Lord and you don't think it's right, just, just you know, write it down and put it, put it on the top shelf. And they kind of mean like in your head, you know, just put it in the back shelf until, you know, you find out. Well, I wrote it down on paper and I put it on the top shelf of my closet at home. And so this, this was a Friday that the lady talked to me. The Saturday, my girlfriend talked to me. And then the Sunday, as I'm, as I'm cleaning out my closet at home, we've moved since this time. This little piece of paper, I find this little piece of paper that says, Mark, you're called to preach. And I was like, okay, fine. I won't go to business school, but what the heck am I supposed to do? And as I'm sitting there, I'm wondering, like, God, you know, you're like saying, wait, but I'm like, we're going to greenhouse, so I can't even get ahead in there. Like, this is, I just don't know what to do. 
And then a week later, I'm sitting, you know, on the Friday night, I'm sitting in youth group, and we had a youth group of 100 kids, and I sat there, I just heard the words, watch Sam. Just, just not like audible voice, but just these words, watch Sam. Sam was our youth pastor, I'm like, sweet, I'm taking his job, and he don't even know it. You know, I'm going to have this massive youth group in the city with pumping music, it's, it's going to be awesome. And then it was like two days later, it was like, you know what, that's not the one. I got this phone call from a guy named Wes DeVries, and he called up and said, you know, he says, hey, you know, we need a youth pastor in Sweets Corners. What's Derek Vanderweer doing? And my dad's like, Derek Vanderweer's still in school. I think you want my favored son. That's Mark Vanderweer. I think that's the one you're looking for. And so I just knew all of a sudden it was like lights on. It was like, oh. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm like, Sweets Corner is going to be awesome until I got there. And I was like, it's this tiny town in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, really, Lord? That's where it was. I worked with Wes for a number of years, and just, but I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. And then as I was, I was there and got to this place where I was never going to be a pastor ever. And then I decided, I found that there was this youth pastor job that was coming available at a place called Lake Mount in, uh, in, in um, Grimsby. And, and as I was there, I thought, you know what, I, I, that, that's something I would love to do. You know, I've youth pastored here, small town for like eight years. I'm going to go do that. And so because my brother-in-law was on the board and he knew beforehand, I had a chance to go. And, and so, but as I was getting ready, they said, you know, from that time, they're like, we're not ready to hire yet. We'll call you in like, you know, when we are in six months or so. And I was like, okay, so I'll wait. And in that process of waiting, all I could hear was like, no. And I kept trying to ignore it, you know, no, no. And I was like, but God, I would love that job. And so they called me, and I'm like, I'll be there. So they called me for my interview, and I drove to the interview, and all the way I'm driving to the interview with this voice, and it's like, no, this isn't the place. The, no, this isn't, this isn't what I want you to do. I'm like, God, you don't understand. It's Matt Tapley. Like, I want to work with Matt Tapley. This is going to be awesome. I get there, and so like, so why do you want this job? And I'm like, uh, i got to be honest. I feel like God's telling me that I can't take the job. I'm like, why did you even come? And I was like, I don't know. I just really, really wanted to work here, but I really, really feel something on the inside. And, and it was like this, this no. And so I said, well, let's pray. And they prayed and with me, and they're like, you know what? We feel the same thing. You're not supposed to work here. I was like, thanks a lot. Drove all the way home, and, and I was kind of like sad, and I didn't know what was really what was going to go on. So I'm like, I'm just going to kind of do this. Shortly after that, they bought this Kingsway building. Through that, I was still never going to pastor. Other people came and said, Mark, you know, we feel that God's calling you to lead in this place. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Until the day that he put on my heart, I ended up with the best job in the world as a result of no. See, a lot of times we think we hear no, and we think it's going to be negative for us. We think, you know, here God's putting those things in our hearts. It's a no. I'm telling you, it's, it's for our good. It's for, for his good. And, you know, it was, it was just an incredible, incredible thing. And I want to leave you with a thought of just something recent because, you know, sometimes our greatest stories are just, you know, years and years ago. But we just came back from, uh, from Haiti and had just an absolutely amazing time. If you have a chance to talk to Dan, he won't talk in the mic, but he has some great stories. And Jill DeBoer as well and Jesse Strobosser. So we were, we were there, but this started like a, a, number of months, a number of months ago. My father-in-law asked me to go to the Philippines with them. And as uh, he had said, hey, we'd love for you to come along. We need a guitarist to play with the band. And I was like, sweet, you know, and it's cold here. It's hot there. This is good. You know, I, I feel like this would be something I'd love to do. And, but I had told Beth that I wasn't going to go on any mission trips for 10 years. And so I was like, you know, she's probably not going to say no, but I really, really want to go because I think it's going to be awesome. And so I kind of went and asked Beth, and, and she said, yeah, yeah, you can go. I'm like, really? 
wow, okay, cool. So I, like that passed, and I was like, I got to talk to my board, you know. I got to see if they'll let me go. And through our board meetings, we were talking about, you know, two weeks off. And, you know, they said, yeah, we'll let you go. You know, one week will count as holidays, and we'll pay you for one or something like that. I was like, what? They're going to let gonna let me go? And I was like, you know, it's not, I'm not even taking our church people. And, and, and there's, but, but it was a yes. And I was like, oh, sweet, I get to go. And guess what? Voice on the inside, no. It's like, that's not where I want you. And, and I was like, but it's going to be amazing. And it was amazing. That trip was amazing. And yet there was a no. And I'm like, okay, I guess, you know, not really supposed to go for, for 10 years. And so I sat in my house. I had these, this couple over. And a couple months later, Russ and Karen Beauravage, they just came over for coffee. And I kind of told them about this garden barrel thing that I had. And the only reason I had a garden barrel is because I saw a link online that said, man saves $900 on groceries a year. Grocery stores hate him. I'm like, that's cool. I click on that and I find out this is how he did it. And I'm like, that's awesome. And so I, I built this barrel, and I thought, you know, maybe I wonder if this would work in Haiti. And I sent it to them, and they sent a picture down to their friend in Haiti. He's like, yeah, that would work, you know. Send some barrels. And I was like, okay, Russ, here's how you build them. Sent him down with pictures to build them. He gets down there. They try to build them. And uh, he comes back, and he's like, you know, he said, he said to me that day in the garage, like, you know, we'll go down and try and build them. He says, but I, said, I really don't think this is me. He says, I think you need to pray about going down there. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure the Lord doesn't want me on missions. He just told me no, like a couple months ago. And he said, pray about it. I was like, okay. And so I did. You know, it felt like this thing that just said, yeah, you know what, this, this just makes sense to, to go. And I just realized had I gone to the Philippines, I would have missed out on where I was really supposed to be going. And so I was like, okay, you know, you know, we'll go. And it was amazing to watch how things lined up. First, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do down there. I'm like, I go by myself. And then I told Jesse Strobosser a little bit about it. He's like, I'm going. And I was like, oh, you know, pray about it. And, but the Lord said yes, had to take him along. You know, and so uh, it was, uh, and then, you know, Dan and Jill got on board and we're like, well, maybe we can build like five barrels. Because we're like, Jess, we got to raise money to do this. He's like, raise money? Like, we'll just make five. And, and so we went down there and, you know, they had said, hey, we were hoping for like 25 or 50. And we're like, oh, that's a lot. And yet, as people just started asking us out of the blue, hey, can we sponsor that? Can we sponsor that? And because of you guys, over 70 barrels were made down there as a result of, of this. And, and I was like, man, just watching that happen. And then there was this, this, this couple stories I want to share with you because they're just, just, just crazy. There are garden barrels need these worms in order for them to work. And as I'm like thinking, you know, how am I going to find these worms? I start Googling worms in Haiti and they don't have any of this kind of worm in Haiti. I'm like, how am I going to find these worms? It won't work. And I'm like, my brother smuggled chameleons home from Africa in his underwear. And I thought maybe I could do that, you know, smuggle worms down to Haiti. And I was like, no, I can't break the law. You know, what do I do? I'm like, I'll put it on Facebook. And I always thought Facebook was useless until I put Haiti worms in Facebook. And, and this picture came up of these guys in Haiti with these red wiggler worms. I was like, oh, it's amazing. I, was like, I contacted them to find out, you know, maybe we could get some of these worms. They paid $100 for a cup full of these worms. And I was like, man, how am I going to get that? But as we kind of went back and forth, we found out they were only 20 kilometers away from where we were in Haiti. And as we talked to them, it was like, you know, yeah, we'll bring you some worms and we'll trade you a barrel. But then the guy showed up, and his name was Daniel. And when he showed up, he looked at the barrel, and he's like, he just, he got so excited. He's like, I, he's, two years ago, I was in the United States. They had brought me over to this gardening thing, and he says, I saw a barrel like this. And he says, I wanted that barrel in Haiti, but he says, there's no way I could afford it for the price. And he says, and then I get a phone call from the people who build these barrels that they're going to train me to make these barrels. He was so excited, he couldn't believe it. And I'm like, what? This is, this is cool. And, and so I'm like, so you like these barrels? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know what? He says, I need a thousand of them. And I'm looking over at Jesse, I'm like, well, we said we'll make 50, right? <laughs> and he's like, well, I need 1,000. We're like, uh, and he's like, okay, I'm just kidding. He said, I need 10,000. 
And we're looking at him, like, because he says these are the things that will change the lives of people that are living here. I was like, this is crazy. And we met this other guy named Ricardo who's just, he's been praying for a way into this community to be able to reach people with the gospel. And he says the barrel just opens the door for us to go in and share the gospel with people. I was like, man, it was just it was, it was crazy to see how this happened. We think, you know, watching Holy Spirit lead us and lead others. It was as we found these contacts and found different things, it got to the point where we'd sit around at night afterwards and be like, wow, there's just no way that we could have done this. And we just began to give glory to God. And it was phenomenal time after time through this trip that we just saw that happen. Sometimes you see it's like it's cliche, but realize that's the stories he did in the Bible. It's the stories that he does today. They look completely different, but it's just being led by him. And then, you know, the last day, as we're heading home, we find out that, you know, there was a flood the night before that washed out one of the main bridges that goes to the airport. And so we decided we'll take the long way around. Well, everybody took the long way around. So we ended up in this spot where our road joined another road. And at that point, we got stuck. And we're sitting there in our truck probably for like 15 or 20 minutes, not moving at all. And we're like, you know, just we're in the back, just like, ah, it's been a great trip. And we're eating corn and we're thinking nothing of it. And, you know, uh, all of a sudden, this bike goes by. And who's on the back of this bike? Daniel. This guy far away from his home. Where we had no, like, thousands of bikes have gone by. And he waves at us. He's like, hey, have a great trip, guys. And we're like, that was Daniel. And as Daniel goes by, all of a sudden, 10 minutes later, he calls Russ on his phone and says, uh, hey, if you guys are trying to go to the airport, you're not going to make it this way. Turn around. It's all completely blocked. And, and so we're sitting, you know, so, um, we come back to the back of the bus. We've got to have like a power. We're, we're not going to make it to the airport unless we do something, you know. And, and we're like, okay, what is it? Like, you're going to have to go ride on those motorcycles. I like these motorcycles, like they drive like crazy. There's no laws. And, and like, yeah, not just the driver, but two of you on the back. And we're like... All right, you know, and I was like, but because I saw Daniel, I'd seen the Lord organize every step. I was like, you know, this is, this is going to be an adventure. This must be what God wants us to do. So we hopped down on there, hopped on these bikes. Jesse was so scared. He's almost peeing his pants. You know, Dan was like shaking so hard. He's just hugging Jill all the way there, you know. And I'm, I'm like, but I wasn't scared at all. You know, I, I, hopped, <laughs> I, hopped, on, uh, I hopped on that bike because I was, uh, I was like, just, I just knew. Because I'd seen him, it was like, I'm not. There's no need to be afraid at all. So I grabbed out my phone. I'm holding up my phone, videotaping us driving. And I'd, I'd pray. I said, God, you know, when these motorcycles come up, Lord, please give me a driver that doesn't have a helmet. And I'm like, if he has a helmet, he doesn't trust his driving. I want somebody with no helmet. And sure enough, we got on, the, on these motos, and, and they drove us. And, and as they're going along, you know, uh, the, the, the place would get um, the lane would get blocked. They just drive through these other cars, and then they drive in this spot and block. Go on the sidewalk, blocked. Go up on the in the fields over these gravel hills, past these goats honking at donkeys on the way down. Just fishtailing all over the place. And it was like the song "Trust It All" is just going through my head. You know what? I trust it all with every step, with every breath I take. It's yours. I just want to walk out what you want for me, God. And it's like there's no there's no even thought of fear as you're just walking that out because He's leading your steps. So in conclusion, we see in Acts the stories of their life. Today I just shared a little bit of the story of my life to show you that the credit goes to him. But I can tell you one thing is this. I have zero regrets in my life of any of the times where I've heard his voice, been obedient to it, and stepped out in it. I have zero regrets for what happened in any of those things. So the question today is, those are the stories of their life, the story of my life. What will be the story of your life? What will be the story of your life? You know, what will it be, you know, that I lived for me? That I prayed for God to follow me and God bless me? 
that I live my life listening for him and following his voice, that I live for his purposes and surrender to his desires for me, that one day he could say, well done, son. Well done. Well done, my daughter. What's he going to say? And maybe it's a bit scary to you. You know, as we read that verse in Romans 8, that all who are led by the Spirit of God, they're children of God, it goes on to say this, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You are his kids. No longer a slave to fear. You don't have to be afraid as he's leading you. He's a good, good father to just take that step. I don't know if you've seen the Indiana Jones movie, you know, in uh, The Last Crusade, I think it is, where he's got to step out across this this invisible bridge, and he just simply takes a step. He couldn't see it until he stepped. And for some of you, it's that same thing. It's just simply trusting that what God put in your heart, what he's saying is to take that step. As you read to the finish, you know, finish reading the book of Acts, as you read about them being led by the Holy Spirit, they all died. You're like, well, that's not comforting. You know, they all they all died while they were being, you know, led by Holy Spirit. And some of them died in incredibly um, uh, difficult deaths. And you're like, well, you know, I don't know that I want that for my life. I just have news for you. Everybody dies. William Wallace said every man dies, but not every man really lives. Every man dies, but not every man really lives. You know, we were designed to really live being led by His Spirit. And it's not just, you know, to become a preacher. It's to, to be led in your job. Maybe you're delivering, you know, chocolate bars. And he wants to work in your life. Maybe you work in a factory and he just wants to lead and direct your life. Following Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Let me just say this, last thought. Following Holy Spirit's leading in your life will not always lead to accomplishing your purposes, but it will always lead to accomplishing his. Following Holy Spirit won't always lead to accomplishing your purposes, but it will always lead to accomplishing His. And He leaves you with that. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, the last thought, trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's saying to you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Follow on Him with all your heart. Don't lean, don't trust, don't rely just on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. That word means know Him. In all your ways, know, consider Him. He'll direct your paths. Man, you know what? As I share my story, my hope is that you're going to have stories to share of how Holy Spirit has led your life. It'll light you up inside. It will. And as you look back, you'll see all the dots connected. And, but right now, you're in that spot where you don't know where it is. He wants to lead your life. Maybe this morning, you're hearing Holy Spirit's voice. And maybe the first step for you is that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ. Not just attend church, but the thing of, you know what, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe that you gave your life for me, that I could have a relationship with God. And I want that relationship with, with him. So I'm stepping out and believing. And it doesn't end there. For so many Christians, that's where it was. You're like, yeah, I accepted Jesus Christ. Now I go to, now I go to that building with the steeple on Sunday. He wants so much more for you. To be led by him each and every day. So my challenge for you today in this point is just learn to recognize his voice. Keep listening for his voice. But don't only listen for it. Step out in what he says. It will change and revolutionize your life. And more importantly... There are thousands of people literally on the other side of your step. There are thousands of lives that can be affected and changed just by you simply walking obedience to his leading. He's not going to do it all through me. He's going to do it through you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you make it alive in us and that you lead each and every single one of us from the inside. So today we just pray and just ask, I just ask that you'd help Help us to hear you. Help your, us to, to grow and know and recognize your voice and to step out in that obedience. Lord, you already know what your plans are. 
Help us to become aware of those and to walk those out. Jesus, thank you that we can do this just in response to what you've already done for us. It's your incredible love for us. So Holy Spirit, I, I just invite you right now. We just invite you right now. Would you speak to hearts in this place? Lord, making us aware that you know each and every one of us. You know where we're sitting right now. Lord, in your incredible love for us, we're, would you make us aware of that again this morning? Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us all the time. You never leave us as we walk out from this place. May we, we, may we be so aware of that. For me, Lord, but for others here, I pray that as well. Lord, in your name and that we might bring you incredible glory. Thank you. Amen.